right, you guys, welcome back to The Common Thread. Um, my guest today I am very excited about, um, probably one of the most excited I've been uh, having a guest on here is my dear friend, Rod Gabriel Roderick. Uh, I met Rod about three years ago, seems like way longer, um, but the second I met Roderick, we, we just had that instant connection. Uh, he just has such a huge heart, just such an authentic, genuine uh just real person um, who has such a heart to serve. Uh, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm always inspired by. Rod is is his involvement in volunteer work and the veteran community um, and fitness. He just is so willing to serve and expects nothing in return. Uh, but it's no wonder why he's such a always such a happy, positive guy. He's got an incredible story. He's been through so much stuff. Again, he is a veteran, uh, served our country, and I'm just so excited to dive in here today. So. Without any further ado, I want to introduce to you guys, Roderick Gabriel. Rod, how you doing, hey, buddy? Man. I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome, brother. It's my pleasure, man. Uh, Rod and I were just chatting a little bit before uh, before the podcast, just about what he's been up to today. I know this uh, this whole pandemic thing has definitely hit us all hard. We're all feeling it, but always coming up with new ways to uh, stay active, stay creative. Um Rod, I, I wanted to first and foremost kind of dive into um, some of the work that you are involved in. I know some of it's taken a, a little bit of a pause, but specifically you're, you're heavily involved in the veteran community, uh, volunteer work, um, and you know, different various fitness things. But tell us a little bit about what you're up to today. Um, well, as of recent, the most recent project we are working on is um, Stand Down. Um, I think you volunteered with me one time at Stand Down. Uh, this year was the first year in 32 years we had to cancel. Um, oh wow! But we are looking on finding a new location. We are we 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 didn't technically technically we postponed. We're going in October. We'll be doing a one day Stand Down versus the normal three day weekend. Um, okay. and it's still in the works on how exactly we want to do it, but it like so. Typically, Stand Down is a three-day event where veteran, homeless veterans can come and um, obtain services from legal, medical, dental, um, clothing, housing. Um, typically, it's a one-stop shop. If a veteran decides and makes a choice that they want to get off the streets, um, Stand Down is definitely uh, a place to go for a homeless veteran. Um, wow, that's incredible. Bringing that down, yeah, bringing it down to the one-day format um it's kind of like give and take it's 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 working with everybody who's been helping um finance stand down all the volunteers um and trying to figure out how we can get that what we pack into a three-day experience for our veterans into a one-day experience um again this year with with all this going down it's been really hard for me to to step in and volunteer simply just because of the whole uh quarantine thing um, usually I'm really hands-on and like in the office and coming in once a month or once a week just to like, Hey, what can I do? Um, and this quarantine just kind of put a stop to that, but, um, we're, we're doing our best through emails and, and trying to figure out where everybody best fits. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I can speak into stand down. That was one of the most incredible experiences that I've, I've had the privilege of witnessing and being a part of. Um, and now has it been Rod at that same location for the past 30 plus years? 
Uh, for the most part, yes, actually. For as long as I've been, I've been with Standout since 2015. Um, I've been on the operations team and, um, for the longest it's been on that field they've had a really good relationship with the high school there. Um, and it's a big reason why they hold it during the summertime is because they're, they're not in session. So it makes it a lot easier for us to access that field. Wow. Yeah. It's just incredible seeing how the smile on people's faces. Oh, it's, it's truly magical. Like there's, um, yeah, oh yeah, no. I was gonna say like I it's it's weird because, um, it's that magical moment when when a a an individual a homeless veteran feels human again because this is the one place that they can come and there's a thousand open arms and no one's looking at them like, you know, no one's categorizing them as a homeless veteran. They're just there. They're individuals. They're human. They they're 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 basically told they're worthy. Yeah, and. And I think that's like the one thing that lacks. I mean, I know there's, um, at least on my part, there's been many a times where I, you know, like I'll throw a dollar in someone's cup or buy somebody food. And and, and for the most part in the past, I thought that was enough. And then, you know, be, being homeless myself, uh, I came to realize that it's a lot more than just like the financial or the food or the housing. It's It's more of like, for me, it was, I felt less worthy and that's why I was in that position. It wasn't because I deserved to be in that position or, you know, like I lost a job or anything like that. I was homeless because I felt like that's where I needed to be like that. That's what I was worth. And I think stand down gives people the opportunity, um, not only for the individual, but for the, for, for our community to tell these veterans that they are worthy and they, they do mean something and they matter. Um, and I think that's where all the magic happens because we, we've built such a community. I mean, people come every year and I have known many of veterans who were once participants of stand down who are now lifetime volunteers. Um, and it's, it's amazing to hear their story, but it's even better. It's like, you know, last year I was sleeping in a tent and this year I'm running a tent and yet you still get to, like everyone on that field is equal. There's no there's no like I'm the supervisor of the tent and you're a participant. Everybody's there. Like everybody, the most valuable person is a participant because we want to make sure they know that they're, that they're loved and they're cared for, you know? That's incredible. Yeah. And um, I want to, I want to uncover and, you know, unpack a little bit of what you were talking about, you know, being homeless. Um, And um, I think that may or may not be a big part of why you have such a huge heart uh, in relatability to, to not only veterans, but homeless veterans. Um, but before we dive into that, you, you said it's something that really perked my ears and you talked about, you know, the correlation of worthiness to, to these homeless people's situation. Um, and as you and I both know, you know, Roderick and I actually initially met in an emotional intelligence workshop, uh, where they really talk about, uh, things like how we talk to ourselves, self-worth, the conversations that we've created, uh, over our lives and, and how that dictates the path of our lives. Um, so from what I'm hearing you say, uh, Rajik, you're saying there's a pretty strong correlation between between the two as far as someone's circumstances to to their mindset. Absolutely. And <clears throat> there's no I don't want to say like it's I mean, there's there's a there's a bunch of different factors that go along with that mindset. But, you know, in the end, for me, that's what it was like. Yes, there was drug addiction involved. There was alcoholism. There was, you know, going to prison. But a lot of that I, I like after 
hours and hours and days and years of just, you know, personal development, I, I came to discover that it was how I felt. It was like, it was the guilt. It was the shame that I felt from, you know, my past life, whether it was on living on the streets or being in the streets, doing drugs, my relationships with my parents, my time in Iraq, like all of that had to deal with in the end, how I felt about myself, you know, my actions and everything that had gone on in the past led to the story that I told myself and what I thought I was worth. And <clears throat> I mean, there was many a times where it was like my ego telling me that I was doing like the best thing possible for myself. But I mean, with, with a little scratch of the surface, I got to go deeper into it and realize that it wasn't, it wasn't like my ego was wrong. That's not what I really was thinking. That's just what I was tricking myself to say so I can cover up how I was really feeling because I was more ashamed of my fear or guilt than I was anything else. Mm. Wow. That's, that's powerful words right there. A lot of insight and wisdom too, you know, to, to be able to look at yourself and your situation from, from that mature perspective. Um, that takes a lot of, a lot of insight and understanding of yourself. Now um, I've heard, I've honestly heard bits and pieces of, of your story. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, I don't like to romanticize stories. Um, you know, we all have our own war stories, but the, the, the main purpose that I like to at least get a, get an idea of where people come from is because, you know, a lot of people may see you, you know, when I first met you, I knew we had some sort of a connection below the surface, but, you know, I would have never guessed, you know, the successful, happy-go-lucky guy in great shape, fitness trainer involved in all this work, um, you know, could have potentially come from the past that you did. Um, but tell me a little bit about, you know, yeah, so I grew up in, I grew up in paradise Hills. Um, I don't know. I was a nineties baby. So it wasn't like gang banging or any of that was like at his extreme, but there was still a lot of it still surfacing around. Like I, I, um, my childhood upbringing was a little rough. Um, did the whole gang thing for a while for a long while did the whole drug selling and stuff like that. Um, but like you said, like the whole romanticizing about my past, like this is what I can say is like in, as a child growing up, like I was in fear. I was scared that I didn't fit in. Um, I was scared that, you know, if I didn't do something the way my, my peers wanted me to, that I wouldn't be accepted. So I did everything, what everybody around me said, because that's, you know, what I thought I wanted. Um, so basically it's like, you know, join a gang because that's what you're supposed to do when you grow up in my neighborhood. Um, eventually I ended up getting out of that scene, um, after a couple of runnings, run-ins with the cops and some of my best friends getting, um, some real time, uh, I decided to join the army, um, join the army. Um, but like, like I said, it was, it was more of like that fear of acceptance and everything like that. So I just brought that same attitude in the army. And in, in it, in, in this case, it was like a positive thing, um, being, wanting to be accepted in the army, um, helped me, uh, achieve all the goals I did. Like I, I, I raised up in rank really high. I got really high PT scores. I was sent to many different schools all simply because I wanted to feel accepted. Um, <clears throat> When we went to Iraq, uh, I stepped up because, you know, in the army, they teach you that motivators are the way to be. And I stepped up and I made it and I went through all that. We, we did a lot of, um, 
we did a lot of raids. We did a, a bunch of different missions out there. And I came back. Um, when I got out, I, I, I didn't know what else to do. Um, so I kind of went back to what I did before I joined the army. Um, so I started doing drugs again. Um, still stuck in that whole mindset. Like I wasn't worthy enough, like that I needed to do certain things to appease the people around me. Um, <clears throat> I needed like outside, um, gratification or I needed like quick gratification. Like everything I did was just because I wanted to prove to people that I was better than what people thought of me was. Um, <clears throat> um, in that time I ended up having like a girlfriend, we got engaged, we had the house, the cars. And again, um, I was still doing drugs because, you know, I thought that was a way to go. It was, it was an easy escape for me. Um, ended up going to prison. Um, prison was kind of like my one God shot for me. Uh, I remember sitting in the cell after my sentencing and, um, or actually, no, I'm sorry, before my sentencing and uh, sitting there wondering, like, why me? You know, I, I, I ask all the questions that um, any normal person would undergo, like, when they're facing something like going right. to prison, right? Like, why me? I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was praying for mercy. I was praying for guidance. I prayed, you know, I, I mean, I, could, I prayed for every question and answer you can think of that came in that book. And, and, and I think at the end is where my God shot came because I think I got tired of praying. And, uh, I, I, I eventually just asked like, you know what? I was like, dude, I give up. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I want anymore because I kept going back and forth with what I wanted. Like, you know, so I decided to just like, forget what I want. I prayed for, uh, give me the time that you think I need to get mm -hmm. through this. Um, fortunately for me, it wasn't the sentence they were looking for. It was half of that, but it was still five wow. years. So, um, but I mean, going back and looking over the time that I did, uh, I honestly can say three wouldn't have been enough. If I would have done like the three year minimum, I, I would have probably just got out and gone back in. Um, it was like a, it was like a million God shots all bundled into one because I kept seeing, you know, like I would hear stories or read the newspapers of like my close and personal friends being indicted and getting like 100 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And I kept seeing that over and over again throughout the course of my time. And I'm like, you know, that's where I would have been if I would have right. got out early. Um, and, you know, like I said, like five was like the perfect amount of time. It was enough time for, for me to gain the clarity and sobriety that I needed just so I can start working on my spirit. Um, over that course of time, it was like once I got the clarity, it took me like at least a year or two just to get, you know, the fuzz and the fog of all the drug use and alcohol that I, that I, that I've had since, I don't know, since I can remember, I don't think I really ever had a break from drugs or alcohol since I was like 13. Wow. So it, it took like a year of that. <clears throat> um, but after that, I, you know, I, I really got into, I got into the spirituality things. I, I read a lot of books. I, I, kind of made a lot of promises to myself. And then I, I you know, I healed the relationship with my mother and we just, and things are started moving forward. I uh, got out and um, this is when I was homeless. I, I got out and, and realized that I, I didn't have, I didn't leave anything behind. Um, and I didn't have no one to run to. I didn't have no family out here that I can live with. So I lived at a shelter. Um, it was at this shelter where I kind of sort of found my purpose, you know, it was super amazing to me. Um, 
big shout out to Veterans Village of San Diego. That's that's like my home away from yeah, home. VVSD, um, baby. They have this, yeah, they have a phrase that that happened that they tell you every time when you introduce yourself for the first time. Um, you know, they have a phrase called "Welcome home," and uh, <clears throat> honestly, it was probably one of the first times I've ever felt at home. Like I was there with people who cared, people that were like concerned, and people that weren't giving in to any of the BS that I was feeding everybody, you know, like even when I got out, I still kind of felt like I needed to be somebody. I needed to wear the nice clothes. I needed to figure out how to get a job so I can buy a car and do this and do that. Mm. And it was like, you know, the case manager and the therapist and, and the community there that helped me learn a lot about myself. And it was kind of like one of the biggest blessings that I can ever had was being you know, they only at the time they only took homeless veterans and you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to like, it's weird to say, but I was fortunate enough to be a homeless veteran so I can partake in that program. Um, the work that they did with me there kind of like, you know, they, they, they were big on volunteering. So I volunteered a lot. And most of the time then it was just to get out, you know, and give you like, I don't know if, any, if you've ever experienced the program. Sometimes you gotta get that whole, like you, you feel kind of caged in and locked up, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And volunteering was a great opportunity for me to get out. <clears throat> so I volunteered a lot. Um, I graduated out of there pretty quickly and realized that I wanted to come back. So I kept coming back. I was, you know, I led a couple meetings over there. Um, I did whatever I could. Um, and that's where I kind of found my purpose. Like, you know, I, I, I realized that I did love helping my fellow veterans. Um it's kind of one of those moments where you find out that your, you know, your testimony matters. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I've been coming back ever since we, they, they, there was a point where a good friend of mine started a PT program there and had asked my assistance because like when I was there, there wasn't one. I was literally getting in trouble every week for doing like PT in yeah. the middle of the courtyard or you know, where I wasn't supposed to be. Um, so I help integrate. Um, yeah, for those uh, physical fitness program. He says P you, PT you're talking about in the, in the military sense of physical training. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I help, I help integrate a program there. Um, I think that program is one of the best programs I've helped integrate only because it became one of those self-reliant ones. You know, there was a lot over the time there's been like heavy goers. Like in the beginning, I was like a big heavy hitter for it. Um, for a very long time, a good friend, Claudia, she was the one who um, spearheaded the entire project and um, she got jo offered another job somewhere else. And now it's kind of like self-reliant, you know, and it's it's kind of one of those things that taught the, the, the residents there that, you know, you take you take your own physical fitness into your own hand, you take your life into your own hands. And um, it was it was amazing to see the kind of environment we've created over there where, you know, even though the the everyone that spearheaded that that whole program kind of like moved on or moved away or is no longer around, um, it's one of those things where they took it upon themselves. Like, well, we didn't need them to do it for us. Like, you know, they can go on a run on their own. They can do this on their own, and over time, it just became something that like the residents owned themselves, and it's perfect. That's kind of like the ultimate vision for that program is where residents residents of that program are the ones who are running it and it gets continued to pass on. Um, 
So there's no way you can totally destroy it. Like not one person can take it down. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Wow. Man, that's awesome. I'm I'm a huge fan of what you guys are doing out there in DVSD and um what what I've seen a lot of a lot of success cases come out of there and in, in the the realm of programs and um rehabilitation centers and the like, it you know, as you and I both know, the statistics of success rates are, are fairly low. Um, however, I've seen I've seen a lot of good met a lot of amazing people, seen people have their lives transformed. Um having gone to VVSD. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of everything that they do. I'm all for it. Now, I, I see this happen a lot with um, a lot of my friends and family that I've known who have, upon uh, you know leaving the military, it seems like there's um, there can be a challenge and probably, I mean, there's probably not too many resources to help people get back into civilian life. Um, would, would you say that's true? Um, I believe there are enough out there, or I'm sorry, I'm, I believe there are a lot. I don't know if there are enough. Um, I just wasn't aware of them when I got out and I got out way back when in like 2006. So I, I, I mean, I didn't even know how to register for the VA and didn't get registered for healthcare until 2015. So it was, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing. I think nowadays, if, if I'm correct, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like when you leave the military, there, there's, there's, there's portions of that where you have to go through little seminars to allow you um, the knowledge of what resources are out there. And furthermore, you know, there, there's a lot of veterans that are taking it into their own hands. Like, you know, I, I personally will tell a bunch of veterans like, Hey, if you need anything, man, let me know. I, I went through, you know, a handful of resources. I, I may not know them all, but I know enough and the, the great thing about it is, is that, you know, there's a lot of veteran um, service service organizations that are out there to actually help the veterans. So if they don't have anything for you, you know, they, they, they more than likely will know somebody that does have something that can help you in your particular situation. It's a big community um, and more and more veterans are taking it upon themselves to like, you know, find out what's out there. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, it was, it was once a dream of mine to like create like a one-stop shop for veterans, kind of like a stand down version, but for people that are getting out and it just, you know, a, a bunch of friends of mine, we've discussed and we've said it, um, time and time and again, it's like, why are we going to add to the number of organizations that are out there when there's, you know, really good organizations that need help getting the word out mm. still. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, you know, I know they're out there. I, I think it's just people knowing what's available to them and for their own personal situation. Um, there can be a lot more work done in that, in that realm and just getting the word out and letting people know what's available for them. That's great. I think, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that too. And I'm, I'm, my hope is that when listeners, people listening to this, um, whether you are a veteran or you're, you're deployed right now or you're, you're enlisted or you know friends or family that are um, currently serving the military or maybe fresh out, um, definitely, you know, you can reach out to Rod or myself. And, you know, there, I know that um, people in the, in the community um, are more than happy to spread their wealth, especially Rod. So I, I appreciate you kind of unpacking that a little bit and helping us understand that there are the resources out there right now for us. Definitely. 
Now, um, so with this this journey, you know, getting out of the army, um, you talked about getting uh, getting out, kind of not knowing what to do, um, struggling with being out of it, and then eventually led back to to the drug usage and back in prison. Now, what at what point when when you were incarcerated did you kind of have that shift? You know, I know you talked a little bit about kind of you, you had that, you got tired, hit that surrender point. Were you at all using drugs or doing, you know, still actively using or doing anything like that while you were incarcerated? No. Um, for like the first six months, I dabbled a little bit in like some alcohol. We smoked some spice, but it just it wasn't the same to me. So mm-hmm. I just kind of cut it out. Um, I I really didn't have any intention of staying clean. I just figured that. You know, it was more trouble than it was worth inside. Um, it was kind of like in the middle of watching everybody kind of do what they did while they were, you know, like I, I saw friends and <clears throat> other people, you know, smoking meth inside their cells. And I'm like sitting there wondering, like, what, what, what can possibly be so good to do? Like when you're stuck in a cell doing meth, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Or even when I was uh, going to fire camp, there was just like, you know, fire camp was hard enough as it is. It's like, I couldn't imagine being high and doing any of that stuff. Um, it happens a lot though. And like, it just wasn't for me. Um, as I can kind of, I, I did a lot of like dabbling. I didn't like, I knew for a fact I was a Christian. Um, I knew that the God that I believe in is the God that I wanted to believe in. And there, there wasn't really much yeah. changing my mind, but um, <clears throat> I kind of read into a lot of different things. Like I remember when I went to Iraq, I, I started kind of, you know, studying the Muslim faith, not because I wanted to become a Muslim, but I wanted to see what drove, you know, an individual to go as far as becoming, you know, so devout that they were willing to give their own lives. And that interest that piqued my interest. So I, I, I looked into it and just, you know, wanted to see what, what it is that they believe in. Um, and I kind of did the same when I was in prison, you know, I, I ran into a lot of people that were like Buddhist or atheists and stuff like that. And so like, you know, if there was a book available on something, um, I read it and I, I took a lot out of, um, many of the Buddhism books that I read. Um, and it, it kind of went along with the Bible, like, you know, your body is a temple and, and you have to treat it right. And, and the Buddhists have similar similar sayings and it kind of just kept knocking on my brain like you know like for the for the first time in my life in a long time like you know i had since i've been out the military like i was completely healthy um i felt good um i was strong i was fast and um i was clear of any kind of pollutant you know there was no i wasn't doing any drugs or alcohol and i felt really good uh and it kind of gave me a sense of like why I treat my body as a temple, right? Like I kind of thirst, I thirsted for that feeling more than I thirsted for drugs. Um, so I, I feel like that was kind of like the point where I physically kind of became more addicted to being healthy than I was to the drugs itself. You know, yeah. I, I, I still haven't escaped the whole mindset part or, or the whole like mental fact of the addiction portion for me but i mean at that point i kind of really i i I, just, I really truly felt good and i wanted to keep that around so i just while i was inside i just made the decision not to do anything and when i got out and i was in that program um 
I had made the decision, like, I'm going to give this a shot. It was, it was kind of one of those points where, you know, I've been trying it my way for a long time and my way it was always ended me up in jail. Like I ended up in jail um, and it wasn't working. So I figured like, Hey, these guys, these guys seem to have some successful people doing it their way. Let me, let me try. You know, I just, I just spent five years in prison. I can do this. I can do what they're asking to me to do with my, you know, standing on my head. So let's try it and see how it works. Um, and it's been working so far. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's so cool that you were able to take that situation and, and ultimately make the most out of that. Right. Because I know, as you described, I also know some, some people that, that were um, locked up and weren't able to necessarily, you know, have that, that mindset or that, that understanding. I know drug usage is really big in there and getting caught up in the politics of that. But the fact that you were able to come back and, and really become out even stronger um, as a result of that is pretty incredible. So that's, that's really happy to hear that. Now, um, bringing it back full circle here, um, you know, I wanted to, uh, to ask you uh, a couple questions, one of which uh, tying into the military, tying into really just the lifestyle that you've, you've lived. Um, today's day and age, I mean, now more than ever, homelessness is, is rampant. You know, I was in I was in downtown LA uh, a couple of months ago. Even down here, I mean, San Diego, you can't really go anywhere without experiencing homelessness, and I really just tugs on my my heartstrings every time I see I see it, and I can only imagine for you too. But for for the listeners today, if somebody wants to help out with whether it's you know volunteer or help help out with homelessness or veterans or or both, uh, where can somebody get started? I mean, the very basic call two one one, and there's like a number of different organizations that are linked to two one one. Um, and there are like different organizations. Team Red, White, and Blue is an organization that, like, you don't really volunteer for them; you just participate. It's it's uh, they do a lot of fitness um, events all around the country. They're located everywhere, and they will. They basically create a container for for veterans and community members who like to support veterans where it's nothing but just physical fitness and having fun. Um, it brings back that nurturing or not nurturing. I don't know. It's, it brings back the camaraderie that a lot of veterans once felt when they were in the military. Um, they do have leadership positions that people can volunteer for when they're open um, to like host a hike, host a run, stuff like that. Um and those are available and the, those availabilities vary um, from city to city, depending if there is actually a place of it or a position available. Um, but just participating can, can truly help a veteran out, making a friend with the veteran. Um, just like that whole thing. When I said, when um, <clears throat> I was homeless, it was more or less just, you know, feeling worthy. Um, same yeah. thing for veterans, you know, like I, I think I separated myself uh, for a long time and, um, and I, I know for a fact, many of my peers have told me that they did the same thing that, you know, once they got out, it was kind of like, you know, unless you were, um, there's a, there's a bunch of different stages, you know, like you can be a veteran, but you were you a veteran that went to war. Um, if you went to war, were you someone that was actually in combat? Like, you know, and, um, those degrees varied. 
um, from veteran or veteran. And it, it like, for a long time, it was like, for me, I was like, dude, I don't want to talk to you about any of my military stuff unless you're a combat veteran. Cause you, you didn't know, you don't know. And there's no way for you to know. Um, and, uh, it was team red, white, and blue that actually got me to stop thinking that way. Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I for the for the longest time I thought it was a completely veteran organization. Um, come to find out, it's it's you know it's open to all, um, to civilians and veterans and military, active duty alike. And um, oh, some of my closest, yeah, some of my closest friends. You know, I, I I never used to be able to talk about any of my experiences overseas um, with anyone that didn't serve with me. And then it became like you know what, those those numbers became um, less and few every year. Um, and then it just, you know, like I wouldn't talk to anybody about my overseas experience unless you were overseas and experienced, you know, something similar because like only you can understand. Um, but the empathy that I was receiving from these civilians, from, you know, these, these wives and husbands of veterans, um, was amazing. And it, it I felt normal. I don't know if that's even possible for anyone to feel normal. I don't know. I don't know if there is a normal, but it was, it was a different experience. So like there's stuff like that. Like you don't necessarily have to volunteer for someone that's going to, you know, like volunteering doesn't necessarily mean you, you know, you're, you're working at a soup kitchen or you're working at a clothing drive or anything like that. Um, sometimes it's just like that. Um, just be there, show up and allow yourself to be open. Um, <clears throat> there's another organization called the mission continues, uh, they actually get together once a month and help the community. So it's, a, it's, it's, again, it's another organization that's both veteran and civilian, um, mainly veteran. And a lot of times what they do is they find community projects. I think the last community project I helped them with was a uh, school in um, the Logan Heights district. Um, they just revamped a school. We painted everything. We redid their playground. It went, what once looked like dirt rock and, and rubble turned into grass and, and gravel and a slide. And, and, you know, we painted the school rooms, made it more cheerful. Um, we've done some planting of trees. Uh, Habitat, Habitat for Humanity actually has a lot of um, veteran portions that you can help with. Um, and then there's also just going down. Um, I know if you go to the Veterans Village of San Diego website, I believe there's a link that'll allow you to volunteer. You can email them. Sometimes they might know of other organizations that need volunteers. Um, I would usually plug stand down. We always need as many volunteers as possible for that. Yeah. Um, but this year we won't have that. So I'm not sure if we're going to need the maximum amount of volunteers this year, but Hey, look out for next year. Um, we'll start looking for volunteers in February, I believe. Um, what other organizations are there? I mean, the, the truth of the matter is like, you really don't even need to volunteer with an organization. Sometimes, like I said, it's, it's more of just being there for somebody. Um, yeah. So if you don't have time to like, you know, if you don't have time to get out there and connect with the organization, there's always just finding a friend or a family member who you haven't reached out to recently or in a long time. And maybe just talking to them, having lunch kind of get to know what they're, what they're, where they're at. <clears throat> um, it's, 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 it's one of the biggest things. And I, I think a lot of people neglect to do it only because I, they don't know, you know, like people don't, <clears throat> it's hard to tell if someone's going to commit suicide or if someone is in need of, of help or stability. Um, 
because as a veteran, we're, we're, we're meant to deal with stuff on our own. You know, we're taught to, to not ask and just do. And I think, um, it's really hard. I mean, like you said, when you met me, you thought I was, you said that, you know, you mentioned I was like successful and fitness and I did a lot and I did a lot of things, but it's not like the, it's not to say that in the past three years that I haven't had struggles, um, you know, and there was times where I did reach out and there was times where I just kind of sucked it up and just waited and, and kind of like fought it through. And then in the end, I ended up talking to somebody and saying, hey, like, this is how I've been feeling. Um, and it goes, it, it works for it works for people that are doing great. And it works for people that really need the help. So um, yeah. if you can't find an organization or, if you know, if someone really wants to help out and they, they just can't simply find one, especially with these circumstances, COVID-19 is kind of put an ixnay on a lot of volunteerships. Um, reach out to someone you know that you haven't reached out in a long time. It could change your lives. Dude, that's so incredible. I love that. And it's it's so true. You know, I think time is one of the most valuable things that you can give somebody. And whether that's, you know, whether it is about, you know, volunteering time to an organization, but um, you, you bring up a great point, you know, as whether it's a veteran, um, somebody that is homeless, somebody that's struggling, or, you know, the people that you may not think are struggling, you know, because it's the people that, you know, don't be fooled by the smiles because it's sometimes the people that are smiling that are the ones that are dying inside. And the only way we can truly know is to make ourselves available, to open up, to, uh, to communicate with people, to reach out. So um, that was a great reminder for, for myself and the audience. So thank you for that. For sure. Now I want to wrap it up with uh, one last question. Kind of, uh, I like to always throw in a random question. Uh, but what are you me. grateful for today? Oh. <laughs> um, my family, actually. You know, I'm. I, <clears throat> my family and friends are. Um, they're my rock. Uh, I can't be thankful enough for them. You know, they, in times of need financially mentally physically they've all been there you know i was in a recent car or not recent but i was in a motorcycle accident not too long ago a couple years back and you know i i I leaned a lot on my friends and family um not only to get me to appointments but to get me get me out of my head you know um that accident kind of took me out from a lot of things and it, it was a huge struggle um for me mentally and physically um during this whole quarantine thing, you know, I, I think I was going crazy and it was my family. It was like, I had the fortunate blessing to live with some family members that we're just here for each other, you know, cracking jokes, uh, yeah. making fun of each other, being able to just eat with each other. You know, it's like quarantine wasn't that bad for me only because I had my family around. Um, my brothers, they all know who I, who's out there. Uh, they've been a huge part of my life. Just thankful for them. You know, like... <clears throat> A long, long time ago, I remember thinking that, you know, it was all about me and I was selfish and all I wanted to do was succeed for myself. And, you know, there was points where I was succeeding for myself Um, this time around. You know, I'm just super thankful for my friends and family that are around because, you know, like success is no longer for me, at least. So success is no longer marked by like how much money I have in the bank or the materialistic items I have or you know, being married or not married or having kids or anything like that. Like I, I consider myself a success because I do, I have friends I can count on. I have friends that are willing to count on me 
And I think that was one of the biggest things. I've, I've never really had that before because I was so unreliable. And today I have friends and family that look to me for advice and count on me to be there. And I count on them and I'm super thankful for them. Good. I'm thankful for you, man. I am uh, <laughs> grateful to call you a brother and a friend as well. Yes, sir. Seagulls for life. Dude. Yes, sir. And, <laughs> and you know, you, you mentioned a lot of things. And when I think of you, Rod, I think of somebody who is reliable. I think of somebody with a servant's heart, somebody who's truly humble, uh, embodies gratitude. You are very family oriented. Um, but also you're one of the most fun people <laughs> I have ever met. You know, I know this has been kind of a, uh, a heavy podcast, you know, covering some stuff, but man, Rod is, is I mean, when me and Rod get together when Rod gets together with anybody, man, we know how to throw it down. We know how to party. So I think that's just as important as anything else. For real. I think we get approached by a lot of people when we're together. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got some stories for sure. Um, man. It's, it as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. You know, and, um, uh, you know, I, I, I do want to speak into that really quick before we sign off here. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure everyone knows where to find you. And for those listening, I am going to throw, um, a couple of those links in the show notes so people can find, um, those websites just to, to be of service at, but you know, fun, something that I just got to download about the importance of fun, man, because again, you're somebody who, uh, despite any given circumstance, you always know how to make fun out of it. Now, where do you think that comes from? Where, where are you able to bring this fun from? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's only child syndrome. I mean, I'm not an only child, but I grew up on my own. All my brothers and sisters are a lot older than me. Um, yeah. And I think it just came from that healing. Like, remember I told you in the beginning, like it was all about making other people satisfied and like, you know, doing what I thought, mm -hmm. you know, would make me accepted. And once I kind of learned to like accept myself, everything was just easy going. Like, you know, like I can read a book and enjoy myself. I can, I don't know. Like I, once I learned how to accept myself and love myself, everything was fun and happy. I mean, there's hard times, but it, you're, I was always able to find the silver lining in something just because, um, and then if it was already a fun time, like I made it even more fun because like I stopped caring about what other people think. I'll do what I do. Yeah. And my smile is genuine because it's coming from me. It's not coming from, I'm not smiling because I made, you know, like I I'm, I'm getting the approval from somebody. I'm smiling because I genuinely love myself. So it just becomes a blast. Dude. That's, I love that. I just heard something the other day. Uh, and it was actually Bishop uh, TD Jakes was uh, on a talk show that I was listening to. And he said, you know, when you're able to fall in love with yourself you know, you bring the party with you everywhere that you go. And Absolutely. that couldn't be more true with you. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I love that. Well, awesome, man. Rod, I, I, it was honestly, again, it was an honor and a privilege to have you on here. And uh, we'll definitely have to do more of these. I want to do more one that's just a strictly fitness episode that we can just get down and dirty on, on all oh, things fitness. But um, absolutely. Now, where can uh, our audience find you today? Where are you at on social media? I am on um, Instagram. It's Roderick.Gabriel. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Um, that's pretty much where I make myself available. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not private on any of those. Um, 
And once this whole quarantine thing is over, you'll find me at every epic event possible. So possibly your local gym. Awesome, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll definitely be getting a lift in soon, man. I need to, you need to give me some pointers so I can hit some new PRs. All right, man. You let me know. I got you. All right, brother. Well, hey, it was, uh, it was great talking to you, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. God bless.